Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? It's good to see you guys. Welcome to everybody watching online. We're live streaming now. Yeah. That means we can have some more people with us to join the family. So welcome. We are happy to have you with us. And I'm happy to see everybody who's here in the building. Welcome to you guys. Can you guys welcome each other? Can we make some noise for everybody who's around us? Man, shout out to you for coming out. I know it's cold. I know it's rainy. However, God has a word for us tonight. Did you guys come to experience God? That doesn't sound like too many people are excited. Did you come to experience God online? Are you watching to experience God, to encounter God, to engage with God? That's what we are here to do. And man, there is something special about us being able to gather together to do it. There is a reason why Jesus is building a church, right? Jesus didn't say, hey, I came to save everybody to have an individual relationship. He said, I'm going to build my church And the first time the gospel was preached by the apostle Peter, thousands of people came to know Christ and started doing life together. And we are carrying on that legacy. And so even though we have masks on, even though we had to pre-register because not everybody can fit in the building right now, we are still carrying on the legacy that Jesus designed for us to carry on. Amen. And so, man, we come here to gather together, to worship God together, to engage with God together. And I'm excited because, you know, I haven't been preaching to people in a while. I preached at our Midtown campus a few weeks ago, and and that felt good, you know, to be able to engage with some people in person. But you guys are my family. I'm home. Do you guys feel home? Right now, even with the mask on, it's okay. You're home. Can somebody say, welcome home? home. Say it again. Welcome home. home. One more time just for it. Welcome home. home. Everybody watching online, welcome home. So being that we're home, we're going to talk about some, some family things tonight. We have started a series as a church, church wide called Explicit. As you saw the bumper talking about explicit content and all those things, you know, um, we're having some real conversations because God is wanting to do something in the kingdom at large. And there's this elephant in the room uh, with a lot of us in church holding us back from being able to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. And it's revolving around the area of sexuality and sin as it comes to sexuality. And the reason that I'm really excited about, to talk, about talking about this with you guys is I know that this has been the most important subject of my young adult life to find victory in. Because most of my walk with God, and even when I wasn't walking with God, this was the barrier standing between me and God. This is the thing that tries to rise up. I don't know if anybody has experienced that. Has anybody experienced, and you can be real because we're at home, has anybody experienced that sexual sin tries to rise up as a barrier between you and God? 
Few people are going to be real. That's okay. It's just the way our culture is set up. I've been inundated with information about how to operate in my sexuality since a child. At school, that's where it started for me. Friends, before I knew what was even going on, people were telling me what's going on and what I should be doing as a kid before I'm even thinking about it. I don't know if any of you guys experienced that, but living in the 21st century, most people have experienced that our culture is trying to teach you about how to operate in this area of your life. But here's what I believe. I believe that God wants to bring clarity and wants to bring freedom to his people so that we can engage freely with him. Nothing standing in between us, no shame, no guilt, nothing keeping us from being everything that he's calling us to be. Do you guys believe that? So I know this is going to be a little tense for a lot of us, uh, but I want to pray so we could dive into it. You guys down to pray with me? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to engage with you, Lord. I thank you that you are here in the building with us. Lord, you said when two or three gather in your name, you are here in the midst. And some of us need to be reminded of that, that we're not learning about you only, but we are engaging with you. You are here. You are wanting to teach us. So Spirit of God, teach us. Open our eyes. You said in the book of John that that the light came to the world. They said that in Jesus was the light of all mankind, but the darkness could not comprehend it. And Lord, in a world full of darkness who cannot even comprehend the light. Would you open the eyes of our spirits to comprehend your light, to comprehend your truth, and to overcome the darkness that is trying to take us with your light because you have victory for us. And I declare that we will be victorious. Lord, we will be righteous before you, and we will have everything that you're calling us to have. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. 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 All right. So as I mentioned, this is something that um, I've been praying a lot. My wife and I, our team is all fasting right now during this series because we know that this is important. We I know that if you find full victory in this area of your life and maybe you have. And if you maintain full victory in this area of your life, there are very, very few things that can stop you. Because this world is trying to push a really, really, really strong sexual agenda on our generation that's difficult to escape. But God has given us the path of life. And I know that as as young adults, man, if we walk down the path of life, we are going to walk in the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. For myself, man, this was a struggle uh, throughout my teenage years, throughout my early 20s. This was the thing that I was the most flaky with. You know, I would be on fire for God, and then this is the one thing that would always try to creep up, and I would end up falling in. And the, the issue was I could not be close to God when operating in sexual sin. When I was just doing whatever I wanted to do sexually, the issue was, see, a lot of us don't address the real issue. The issue was I couldn't be close to God and living in sin at the same time. You cannot be close to God and living in sin at the same time. It doesn't work. Jesus came to save you 
from the power of sin. He said, whoever sins is a slave to sin, but who the son sets free is free indeed. He came to give you freedom. But if you are in sin, you are a slave to sin and he wants to give you freedom. And I know that when we hear this, when we start talking about this man, we can feel a lot of shame. Even when listening to the message this past weekend, even though I'm not currently engaging in sexual sin, I started feeling shame just for all the things that I've done. As I'm hearing about, man, how this is supposed to be done right, I'm thinking about all the times I didn't do it right and led other people to do the wrong thing. My wife and I have talked about this, man. This has been a long journey for us, you know, navigating it in our dating life, navigating it in our single lives prior to knowing each other, navigating it in our dating life, navigating it in our marriage life, because both of us have had experiences outside of marriage that have affected and impacted our marriage. But that's what nobody really talks about, right? These are things that you have to navigate, but God set it up so that, man, if you just follow his way, there's a lot of things you won't have to deal with. So if you don't have a messy past, you don't have to work through healing from a messy past, right? I don't know if anybody believes that, but the the more we can live our lives according to the will of God, man, the cleaner will be, and the cleaner will be able to make transitions into what he has for us. But the way that I got into the place of standing in an area that I was separated from God was simply I fooled myself. Because I knew better. Like, even with everything that I was hearing... I knew better. Does anybody feel like you, you, you kind of know the right thing to do, but it's still difficult to do the right thing? Man, I know we're talking about this, this subject, but y'all are real quiet tonight. Maybe somebody online, maybe type something in the chat or something, because every, everybody in the family here at home, nobody wants to talk tonight. Everybody's like, no, I think other people deal with this, but I'm good. <laughs> Has anybody experienced that you know the right thing to do, but it's difficult to do the right thing. Okay. And so you can get to a place of wanting to do what you want to do so badly that you convince yourself that there is a right way to do what you want to do. Has anybody experienced that? That there's a justifiable way to do what you want to do and it's going to be okay. Because I had heard the gospel my whole life, and yet I still fell into sexual sin. So I knew Jesus came to save me. I knew he wanted me to live a righteous life. But man, somehow I still found myself not living a righteous life. And that happens when we allow ourselves to be fooled. And we can start asking ourselves this question, man, what's so bad about this, right? I know I'm told not to do this, but what's so bad about it? But I want to read a scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Somebody say, don't fool yourself. Look to your right, say, don't fool yourself. All the people in the corner is like, nobody's on my right. (laughs) Say it to yourself. Don't fool yourself. 
Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. How do we get so far away from this, though? It says that we can fool ourselves. I remember thinking for so long, like, I know I'm messing up, but I feel like if I, I believe in Jesus, if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. But scripture is saying, don't fool yourself. Those who practice these things, those who make a habit and a lifestyle of these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But this is running rampant in many of our lives, in our churches. And that's why I believe God wants to bring us victory. Because there's hope for us. It says that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But scripture also tells us that it's God's will for all people to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved and to inherit the kingdom of God. Is anybody grateful for that? God's love and mercy. So I want us to talk about a particular person in scripture tonight. And some of you guys may know about this person and especially in relation to this subject. But I think that God is going to open our eyes a little bit uh, to some of the realities of, of what was taking place in his life. Has anybody heard of Samson? Most of us who know about Samson are like, yep, Samson and Delilah. Yep, we know he messed up. He let her cut his hair off. He was tripping. He lost his strength, all that stuff. I get it. Don't be like Samson. Amen. We can go. I get it. That, that might be what I was thinking if I was in your position. However, the great thing is I love this about the word of God. You've never mastered it. You've never arrived when it comes to the word of God. Online, you have never arrived. You have not mastered the story of Samson and Delilah. You haven't figured it all out. You haven't fully conquered this area. Because all throughout the Old Testament, this was just a, a story of people who need Jesus until Jesus arrived. And it's showing what we get into when we don't have Jesus and when we're not walking in the power that he gives us. And so this is a story that's relevant to all of our lives. And I'm not even talking about Delilah tonight. Oh, interesting, right? Cool. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, turn to the book of Judges chapter 14. Verses five through six says, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, Suddenly, a young lion came roaring toward him. A whole lion. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Now, somebody missed the part that was really amazing right there. All right, so... Samson, what's beautiful about the story of Samson is it's really, really interesting. You guys know that an angel came to announce the, the birth of Jesus, right? So an angel visits Mary, 
tells her, you're going to have a son, the savior of the world. What's interesting about Samson is God didn't send an angel. God himself came to Samson's parents to tell Samson's parents that Samson's going to be born, that they're going to conceive a child and God is going to use this child. So there are particular requirements for this child. And he told him, he told them that he's going to be a Nazarite from birth. And we'll get to what that means. But this was really important. And I don't know if you guys caught the part of the story where Samson tore a lion apart with his bare hands, but that doesn't happen very often. Do you know anybody who can defeat a lion with their bare hands? If you do, put their name in the chat. I want to meet them. We will, in, we will interview them right here and it will go viral. Do you think you could tear a lion apart with your bare hands. This is a young lion. And what they meant by young lion is like a lion in his prime, not a little baby lion, but like a lion in his prime came roaring towards Samson. And it says the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he tore the lion apart. I don't know if you guys heard uh, the apostle Peter say that your enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour And this is a picture way before Jesus even showed up of what God actually wants for his people who have been chosen and who have been called that the spirit of the Lord is available for you. And God wants to come upon you and give you power. Somebody say power. God wants to give you power to walk in his way. Somebody needs to write that down. God wants to give you power to walk in his way. I know some of you guys are like, man, what's the title of the message? I'm going to get to that. Just leave a little blank space in your notes because that's coming a little later. Right. I'll get to that. But God wants to give you power to walk in his way. And this is something that we have to understand when it comes to this subject. This is not something that you just logically reason through a lot. Man, we've been having a lot of conversation about how to navigate this subject and Man, a lot of us feel like, man, if I could just hear like the right story, right? Like if somebody could tell me really how they got free from being addicted to pornography and I connected with it, maybe that's when I would really have the hope to walk this out. Or maybe if if God could just give me this one like picture in my mind that made me feel like it was so disgusting that maybe I wouldn't go to it. If I could just like reason through it and be like, nah, I don't want that. Maybe I could get to it. We're saying, man, maybe if like God could give me like a strategy to tear a lion apart with my bare hands, then I would. But you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it on your own. You cannot overcome your flesh on your own. You cannot overcome the attack against you on your own. You cannot overcome what the enemy is trying to do in your life on your own. But with God, with God. Somebody say, but God, but God can do it. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. It's interesting because in Luke 24, 49, Jesus tells his disciples and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay into this in the city until you are clothed with what power from on high. Jesus is saying, look, I gave you the gospel. You've seen me resurrected. You've walked with me. You know what to do. 
But in order to be able to do it, you're going to need some power. You know what to do. You know what to do. Most of us know what to do, but we need power in order to be able to do it. And we can't do it on our own because it's not a young goat. It's a whole lion. And we can't treat it as something light. But God has victory available for you. Did Samson struggle with that lion? I'm asking you, did Samson struggle with the lion? Does it say that the lion almost defeated him? Does it say that it bit him? Does it say that it like tackled him and put him on the ground and was like, ah, and then Samson <laughs> defeated it? No, it just says that he tore it apart. Man, what God can do in your life. Is anybody grateful for what God can do in your life to help you overcome the attack that's trying to come against you? God wants to give you power to walk in the way that he's calling you. God doesn't just tell you what to do. I'm so grateful for that because I would just be an eternal failure if God just told me what to do and didn't help me do it. We're not able to do this on our own. That has to sink in for us because some of us are going through life not really relying on the spirit of God. Some of us are relying on knowing what to do. Oh, I know what to do. I'm good. I got my verses in the morning. I'm journaling. Man, I've been, I've been, I've been streaming church for like three weeks straight. I'm good. There's more to this than hearing sermons, than hearing worship songs. We need power. And that's available for us through faith in Christ. Man, when we receive Christ as our savior and establish him as the leader of our lives, then he will send power to do what he's calling us to do. And we access that. We have to access it. But we access that through prayer. We've talked about this before. Man, we access the power of God through prayer. He says that he's given us authority in our lives. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. He's talking about demonic spirits when he says that. He says, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the what? Power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. No lion stalking you will injure you. He walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he can't devour you. Though you're getting hit with information on every side, though every time you scroll on social media, you're getting hit with temptation. Though every time you turn on the TV, you're getting hit with temptation. Every time you drive down the street and see a billboard, you're hit with temptation. Every time you open up Netflix, you're hit with temptation. You can even open up Disney Plus and be hit with temptation. Children's shows are now trying to hit with temptation. He's roaring around, roaming around, seeking whom he may devour. But you can say, I'm not available. Because God can clothe you with power. 
And it's so important that we walk in that. I was talking about that last week in our worship night, man. We can know that there's victory available for us. But if we don't walk in it, I can have these shoes. But if I don't put them on and walk in them, what good are they? So I can know that there's victory available through the cross of Jesus Christ. He died for my sins. But if I don't put the victory on, if I don't allow him to clothe me with power, if I'm not accessing what he's given to me, then what good is it? God has victory available for you if you will walk in it. And so if you know you have authority, because he's saying, I've given you authority in the name of Jesus Christ, you can walk in that authority. So that means when temptation tries to come, man, some of you guys get tempted in your sleep, in your dreams. There are spirits trying to tempt you, trying to seduce you, trying to pull you into sin. You know what they don't have over you if you are a follower of Christ? Authority. They're trespassing. You can say, leave in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over my mind. I take authority over my thoughts. I take authority over my sleep because God says that he gives, grants sweet sleep to those that he loves. And so I can pull on that and access that truth. Scripture tells us resist the devil and he will flee. Resist. Use your authority in this area. All right, so... Samson, he had a great experience. Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. It was, it, was, it was great, a great victory. And some of us have experienced victories. Some of us have walked in some victory. But how many of you guys know it's a continual journey? How many of you guys know that even though you've walked in victory, you will still run into situations that tempt you? You will still run into temptation that doesn't mean you have to give into it. So I actually have a little prop that's going to help illustrate this a little bit better. You, you can go ahead and bring that out. And uh, yeah, you guys are like, what is happening, right? You can go ahead and just lay it down. It's just a dead body. You're like, what is happening right now? So you guys wanted to know what the uh, what the title of the message is. The title of the message is actually Searching in Skeletons. Because some of us are looking for good things in dead places. However, we're going to watch, we're going to watch Samson navigate this. After he has a victory from God, he still runs into a situation. And so let's dive into the word. Judges 14, go to verse 7. It says, then he went down and talked with the woman because he was going down there for a wife. Right? Okay. It says he went down and talked with the woman and he liked her. So this is, he tears a lion apart. I'm sure he goes down there all swole. Like, man, I just, I just tore a whole lion apart uh, and I want you as my wife. You're welcome. It says some time later when he went back to marry her. So some time has passed. He tore the lion apart. He goes, sees the woman. And he's like, look, I want to marry you. And then some time passes because in, in ancient cultures, there was some time before, all right, we agree. 
that we're going to get married. Now I got to go home. I got to get some things in order. We got to pay a price. We got to go through this whole process. Some months can pass, possibly a whole year. It says, sometime later when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. Oh, wow. The dead body of the lion was still on that same path. What he had victory over before he was encountering again. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. Oh, wow. Look at this. Wow. There's a whole, there's some honey in here. That's crazy. He saw a swarm of bees and some honey. Does anybody like honey? Yeah, everybody likes honey. Of course. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. Oh, he's just enjoying himself. Man, I'm going to get my wife. Oh, look, a dead body with some honey in it. Cool. Let me go up to it, get the honey out and start eating it. A little weird. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some. Y'all want some honey? (laughs) And they too ate it. Mm. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Ugh. I didn't even know where this was from. Interesting thing is, as I mentioned, honey is a good thing. When I was studying for this message, I I learned some interesting things about honey. So we're going to put them on the screen. What's good about honey? Well, a few things. One, sustenance. Raw honey, right? Can we put that up? Raw honey, boom. Raw honey is the only food that includes all the substances necessary to sustain life, including enzymes, vitamins, minerals, and water. It's the only natural food that contains everything you need to sustain life. Another interesting thing is, did you know that honey like does not expire? Ever, ever. There there were Egyptian pharaohs buried with honey in jars and people can break open those jars and still eat the honey thousands of years later because it doesn't expire. God created some wild things, right? Would you say that's a good thing? Wow, look at how caring God was to give us a food that has everything we need for survival and never expires. Wow. Defense against attacks. Research has shown that raw honey can kill unwanted bacteria and fungus. Raw honey has also shown immune boosting and anti-cancer benefits. It can also heal wounds. Manuka honey is used in medical settings to treat wounds because it's been found to be an effective germ killer and also aids in tissue regeneration. So would you guys say that honey is a good thing? I would agree. Honey is a good thing. Some of you guys have never seen honey like this because some of us have only seen like the watered down, the processed stuff. The interesting thing is the super processed honey. Notice it kept saying raw honey, the way that God made it has all these things, but by the time humans get done processing it, it doesn't have any of those things. Some of you guys have never even tasted raw honey. Some of you guys have only had the one that comes in the little bear. (laughs) And you still liked it. The watered down version was good. Imagine how God actually intended it to be. I'm going somewhere. So if honey is good, what was the problem? What was wrong with Samson wanting some honey? Let's look in number six, because remember we said that Samson was a Nazarite. All right. So 
In number six, the Lord said to Moses, this is all the way back in the day of Moses, when God is establishing the law, establishing what his original intent is, how he wants the culture to operate. He says something special about being a Nazarite. He says, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, that means as a Nazarite, you were making a vow of just dedicating yourself to the Lord. They must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. Don't have nothing from grapes. As long as they remain under their Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. During the entire period of their Nazarite vow, no razor may touch, may be used on their head. They must be holy. That means set apart, separated until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. Oh, wow. This is interesting. Throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Somebody say he knew the right thing to do. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them. That means even if your own parents die, you can't go to the funeral because you just can't be near a dead body. That's how serious God was about it. If you're making that vow, if you're making this commitment to dedicate yourself to the Lord, it's going to come with some boundaries on it because he wants to do something special with that person. It says throughout the period of their dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. So here's the issue. Samson had a specific calling on his life that required him to live in an uncommon way. Somebody didn't catch it. Samson had a specific calling on his life that required him to live in an uncommon way. There were some things that other people could do that he couldn't do. Because of what God wanted to do through him. Because God had a purpose for his life. Because of his purpose, he couldn't go near certain things that other people were going near. He couldn't do things that were common in the culture around him. Everybody goes to funerals. Why can't I? Remember when I said God himself announced the birth of Samson? Does anybody believe that God had a purpose for Samson? When the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson to tear a lion apart, is that not evident that God had a plan for Samson? Man, when God spoke the gospel to so many of us and awoke us, awoke us in our spirits to his truth, woke us up. We heard the gospel. We were saved. We were clothed with power from on high. It was evident that God had a plan for our lives. God has a plan for your life. Let me tell you something. God announced your birth. He says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. God knows the amount of hairs that are on your head. Scripture says it. Says that he knows all the thoughts in your head. He watches you as you sit down and as you rise up. David asks of the Lord, he said, what is mankind that you're so mindful of us? What makes us so important that you would pay so much attention to us? Because he has a plan for you. Because he loves you. He came to redeem you because there's a purpose for you. 
but there are some boundaries on that. He came to give you life, so he doesn't want you going around dead things. So the issue was, Samson, it wasn't the honey that was bad. It was the place he was getting the honey from that was the issue. Amen? Honey's not bad. God created honey. In the same way, God created sex. And sex is good because God created it with good intent. In the context, in the boundaries of what he designed, it's perfect. It has purpose. Man, just like honey is amazing when you're not eating it out of a carcass. This is a good thing. But the issue is, just like Samson didn't tell his parents where he got the honey from, we live in a world where our world is obsessed with honey, but nobody's talking about the fact that we're eating it out of dead bodies. Nobody's talking about the fact that we're having it in a dead place and everybody's offering it to you in a dead place that can never satisfy you, that you were never even supposed to be around, that you were never even supposed to be near. And offering you a good thing that then becomes toxic because it's in a dead place. Do any of you want to eat out of a dead body? No, right? Neither do I. And that's not what God has, has for us. He has good things for us. Good things for us. Perfect intent. God created our, the sexes, male and female, and he created sex when he created the sexes because it is the perfect unification of our differences. He created the dynamics between man and woman. He created the differences. And there is one context in which those come all the way together to complement each other and represent the unity that's at the heart of God for different people to come together. Man, even God himself is three in one, three particular persons that operate as one being, one mind, one thought, coming together, and he reflected that when he said, let us make mankind in our image. Even though they're slightly different, they come together perfectly, and they can function as one. He says the two become one flesh. That's what he said in Genesis. We're going to look in 1 Corinthians 6, where Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about this issue, because sexual immorality, having sex the wrong way, that's what sexual immorality is. It was running rampant throughout the church. He says, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with them both. Life is temporary. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies and God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one. That's what sex does, unites us into one. So he's saying, if a man is having sex with a prostitute, the two become one flesh. 
God is serious about this. There's redemption available for us, and that is why it's so important for us to understand these things. Because Paul is saying, you don't have to live this way. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Man, if you're following Christ, you're one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's come to live inside you, dwell within you, who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Samson was called, set apart. He didn't belong to himself. He was dedicated to God. In the same way that as followers of Christ, man, it's not just a a mental thing that we believe. To follow Christ means we give ourselves to God. Romans tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. God, you can have every piece of me. God, you can have every behavior. You can guide me through every step of my day. We offer ourselves in the same way that a Nazarite was called to fully dedicate himself to the Lord. And so you, in the same way, are not, this was just a picture of what God wanted to do to set us all apart for himself. You're not called to be around dead things. You're not called to be around dead things. But every time you go outside of God's will for your life, it's a dead place. Every place outside of God's will is a dead place. Every place, sin is just rebellion against the will of God. And anytime we step into that place, it's dead. Ephesians 2 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. He's saying, man, when you're in a life of sin, you are actually dead in your spirit. This is you. You're dead, unresponsive. You have no life in you. But when God saves you, when you respond to the gospel, when you give faith in Christ, he wakes you up, calls you to life, and then you're to live different. You're to live for him. And you don't have to be dead anymore. You don't have to be around dead things. You don't have to do the things you did when you were dead says we all used to do this at some point, but God saved us from it. So we're not called to do that. It says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, deserving of punishment for doing the things that we did, walking by dead things and consuming things out of dead places, even though God told us not to do it, breaking our vows to God, breaking our dedication to God. We've all done it and we were deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Say, God has a plan for me. To show you incomparable riches. To show you things you couldn't have even imagined. He has so much better for you than these dead places. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a whole plan for your life. He has a lot in store for you. Man, he prepared work for you to do. He's given you his grace to save you from your life of sin, even though you were dead and unresponsive and were rejecting him and rebelling against him. He's given you hope and he's given you grace and he's given you a plan and he's given you purpose. But there's still requirements to stay on the path of life. And every time we go to pornography, to meet a craving of our sinful nature, We're going to a dead place. We're going by that dead body again that we're called to stay away from because God has life for you. Every time you have a relationship, a sexual relationship with an unbeliever, you are engaging. It says that you're dead in your transgressions. When you're not saved from your sin, you are dead. If you are engaging with somebody who is not saved, you are engaging with a dead body. You're not called to go by dead places. God has life for you. God has life for them. But it doesn't help when we just encourage and affirm them staying in a dead place by engaging with them in that place, doing the dead things that happen in dead places. Anytime we go to someone who is not our spouse, confirm through covenant, not like, oh, we're married in the spirit. That's not a thing. It's not. If there has been no covenant made till death do us part, says the two become one flesh, that's inseparable. If that has not happened, that means if you guys can still separate, if I can still just leave, if I have not made a covenant with you, then it is not the context for us to be coming together as one flesh. And it's a dead place. Somebody say, I don't want to be in a dead place. (laughs) Y'all grumbled it. I don't want to be in a dead place. (laughs) Do you? Somebody say, I don't want to be in a dead place. I want to walk in the way of life. Good. I'm glad. We're going to talk about how to do that. So how do we keep ourselves in the will of God? Because any place outside of God's will is a dead place. How do we do it? How do we do it? I know we hear it all the time. We're not supposed to do this. We're supposed to do this, but we're not supposed to do this, but we're supposed to do this. How do we do it? I say the first key to keeping ourselves in the will of God is we have to understand that the strongest opposing force to sin is contentment in God. Now, some of us think that it's lust versus purity. It's like, I'm either pure or I'm moving in lust. When in reality, it's discontentment. It's me being unsatisfied with what God has for me that leads me to want other things. And so our contentment in the will of God keeps us in the will of God. If I'm content here, I stay here. Contentment is just satisfaction. I'm good. Contentment would have saved Adam and Eve. God had given them everything. 
The devil came and tempted them with something else that God didn't have for them. But if they would have said, no, I'm content with what God has given me. I'm going to stay right here. We wouldn't be in this dilemma today. If you can get to the place where you say, I'm content with whatever God has for me. You'll avoid so many pitfalls in life. You'll be untouchable by the enemy because all he's going to do is offer you things that God doesn't have for you. Dead things, things that don't lead to satisfaction. First Timothy six says, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. But those who want to get rich, he's talking about money here, but this is really applicable to any desire that's outside of what God has for us. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. For whatever reason, we wander from the faith. When we wander from the faith, we pierce ourselves with griefs. Even though we're going for satisfaction, we don't find it. We find death. There's nothing good coming from eating out of dead bodies. There's nothing good from going in the places that God doesn't have for us. Contentment in itself is great gain. And if we don't wander from the faith, we will pass on piercing ourselves with griefs because all that is in the world, 1 John 2.16 says, all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the father, but from the world. So all of that is not from the father. I'm going to be content with what God has given me. And sexual immorality is rooted in the desires of the flesh and of the eyes. So how do we be content? We start by recognizing that many of our desires are inordinate, inappropriate, and most importantly, not from God. Many of the things that we desire doesn't mean that all of the things that we desire, but many of the things that we desire are inappropriate. And so I'm just going to say, I'm not going to give into the inappropriate cravings that I have. I'm going to be content with what God has given me. I'm not going to spend my life thinking about what I could have and don't have. I'm going to spend my life being grateful for what God has given me, like breath in my lungs. I'm here today. I have another chance. He says those who practice these wrong things won't inherit the kingdom of God. God, I'm grateful that you saved me, that I still have a chance, that it's not over for me. I'm grateful that you have a plan for me, that you have purpose for me. Samson could have said, you know what? I'm good on the dead body because God has done a lot in my life. I literally just killed a lion with my bare hands and got a wife and I'm the strongest person in the world. I'm grateful with what God has given me. I'm grateful for that. But man, it just goes to show that when we, every single one of us, no matter what we have, we will have cravings for other things. We'll have desires for other things. That doesn't mean we have to be led by them. And we can say, I'm going to be content with what God has given me. I'm going to be content with the fact that I'm single. There's nothing, I'm not waiting for a purpose in a spouse. God has saved my soul. God has given me purpose. I'm not waiting to be able to live an effective and impactful life in a spouse. If God has it for me, cool. But if not, if it's not from God, it's not for me. Somebody needs to write that down. If it's not from God, it's not for me. If you can live that way, you'll be good. Oh, that's not from God? It's not for me. 
Samson, it, you're talking about the God who, who came out of heaven and announced my birth to my parents and then gave me supernatural strength and called me for a purpose, put me in the Bible, that God, I'm going to take whatever he has for me. And if it's not from him, it's not for me. Somebody say, if it's not from God, it's not for me. Say it like you believe it. If you get nothing else from today, if you can just walk in that online, if it's not from God, it's not for me. Contentment. So I have just a few keys to contentment because that's what's going to be. I I truly believe the, the strongest opposing force is just being settled in what God has for you. I'm content in being single, or I'm content with the fact that I'm dating right now, and even though I can't have sex because I'm not married, I'm content with where God has me right now, and I'm going to honor him today. Or I'm married, and I'm content with what God has given me. I'm not, my eyes aren't wandering, looking at everybody else, comparing my spouse to other people. I am content with who God has given me. And if it's not from God, it's not for me. And anybody who's not your spouse is not from God. Amen? Amen. Keys to contentment. One, approach each day with gratitude to God. Man, if you're grateful, it's not hard to be content. I'm grateful. Man, God has done this for me, done that for me. My wife and I were talking about it the other day. Just starting each day with gratitude telling God what I'm thankful for. And if you're not thankful for being alive, you need some waking up because you haven't realized that your life is a gift from God. And that's the first thing to be grateful for. If I wake up and I'm able to thank God, thank you, God. It's a gift. I didn't put myself here. I didn't put breath in my lungs. I didn't create myself. I didn't create my preferences and desires. God did. So I'm grateful for what God has given me. Two, eliminate the distractions that make you discontent. Whew. What's making you discontent? Every time you see something that you don't have. Instagram. Thank you, baby. She just shouted it out. Social media. How many of us are scrolling through social media just looking at what we don't have? Some people turn the message off because they got distracted on Facebook, scrolling, looking at what they don't have. Comparing themselves to people. How often are you doing that? And how often are we? How often do we find ourselves in pursuit of what we saw somebody else have? What you're pursuing most in life, are you just pursuing something that you saw somebody else have? Or is this what God has said is for you? I want a man who does this. Why? Because you saw it in a movie? I want a girl who does this. Why? Because somebody put that on Instagram that their girl did that? Maybe made it up. Maybe don't even have a girlfriend. You can make anything up. 
Why? Because you saw it in a movie or you saw it on a Netflix show. You saw it on Insecure. Let's be real. How many of us are coming up with narratives for our lives based on a script that somebody wrote and it was not God? And nobody tells you the ending of that story because they wrote the ending of the story. So, yes, this may be a process that leads to destruction and death in real life. But on TV, it works out great. Just living together, sleeping together. No covenant, no commitment. Works out great on TV. How does it work out for you in real life? Does it really meet your desires? Are you really able to walk in full purpose and commitment to God when you're doing those things? No, but nobody says that because they're writing the script. Three, spend a lot of time with God. Spend a lot of time with God, but many of us are spending a lot of time with entertainment. I was doing some research on entertainment because it, just, it just kept hitting me, hitting me, hitting me. Do you know what entertainment is? It's literally anything created to hold your attention. Do you know that people create things just to get you to stop and look for as long as they can get you to look? Just to get you to stop and listen for as long as they can get you to listen. And some of us are falling asleep listening to messages from people, talking about straight foolishness, prophesying darkness, evil, and Satan's agenda into our lives. Why? Because everybody's listening to it. Songs about getting honey from dead bodies. But I love the beat, though. But is it really that bad? I'm good. I'm strong. Really? When you're constantly listening to the messages from the enemy, how godly does your life look? Or are you just riding on faith in Christ? Like, oh, I, believe, I still believe in Jesus. My life doesn't look anything like him. But I believe in him, though, and I'm going to church. I look like whoever I'm listening to. I look like the movies I'm watching. I look like the shows that I'm watching. But I believe in Jesus. That's not what you're called to. God wants you to look like him. Would Jesus listen to that? Would Jesus watch that? And you're like, no, Jesus probably wouldn't watch anything. Not if it's made by the devil, probably not. Can we be real? How important are our lives? How important is our purpose? Are we going to trade it and exchange it for just something that's trying to hold our attention? We're giving our lives to this stuff. We're giving hours of our time, our whole day spent on watching season seven. Getting nothing but I digress. Spend a lot of time with God. Get in his word. Praying. God created you for a relationship with him, not just religion, not just following orders. God wants a relationship with you. 
spend a lot of time with God. A morning, night, middle of the day. Scripture says meditate on his word day and night. Man, keep this book always on your lips, always speaking it over yourself. And that's what you're going to have to do in this culture. Or are you constantly speaking the words of other people, the words of songs? How many of us know way more songs than we know scripture? How's that working out for you? I'm just saying it because I realize I love music. I love entertainment. Not enough to give my life to it, though. I had to realize, like, this stuff does not end up helping me out. What I'm listening to, I end up doing. I realized that early. Like, oh, I'm struggling with all these things, but I happen to be listening to things telling me to do this all day. So maybe I should stop listening to that, and it'll help me from doing it. Amen? Last thing, surround yourself with godly friends. Godly friends, man. And I know sometimes it can be difficult to be in community with Christians because you don't like every Christian. I get it. You don't. You're like, I get that they're Christian, but I don't like them. I don't like being around them. I get it. But God has godly friends for you. And that's okay. You still love everybody. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be one as the body of Christ. That's what Jesus has called us to. We're called to be one. We're called to be united and How many of us know God actually has friendships for us within the community of believers? It doesn't have to be fake. It doesn't have to be surface level. You don't have to fake it, but you do need to make an effort. Get in a small group. Cool. All right, man. So I'm going to go ahead and close out. Because I've been, can you guys hear I've been studying a lot? This has been really, really important. And I believe God has so much for us, but we have a whole series ahead of us. So I'm excited. Um, I want us to look at this last scripture. Uh, Actually, it's not going to be the last one. I got two more. Romans 13, because I feel like you guys need everything. Walking out of this, I just know you're going to get hit with all types of stuff, but you don't have to succumb to it when you know the truth. Romans 13, 11 through 14, it says, do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. Some of us just needed to be awakened tonight. It says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. So that's saying put on the armor of light. God has armor for you and you can actually live your life in a way where you make no room for sin in your life. So no, I'm not going to allow myself to watch this. I'm not going to allow myself to listen to this. I'm not going to respond to this text message. I'm not going to call this person back. I'm not going to give this person my phone number because I'm not going to even make room for sin in my life. I'm going to delete this app because I'm not going to make room for sin in my life. Somebody needs to close out the other browser you have open. Just close that out. Make no room for sin in your life. And in Ephesians 6, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He has no power over you. Put the armor on. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's more going on than we realize. There's a reason why God tells us to stay away from dead things. Because there's stuff going on there that you don't even realize, that you don't know about, but you don't even need to know about. Just stay in the will of God. Stay in the place that he's prepared for you. Stay in the good things that he has for you. Stay in the place of life that he has for you. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You need to know scripture. You need to know the truth or else you won't be able to recognize a lie. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, remember that you are righteous in God's sight. When you have faith in Christ, Jesus has come to wash you clean and make you righteous. Remember that. Man, I used to live in a dead place. I used to do dead things, but I'm not that way anymore. So I don't have to live that way. God has washed me clean. And I can keep that as a breastplate of righteousness. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, I'm going to stay ready. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That means no matter what the enemy's sending at you, your faith in Christ, you're good. He has you protected. God said about Jerusalem, I pray this about myself, over my family, over our home all the time. He says that I will be the fire that surrounds them and the glory within. God wants to be the fire that surrounds you. Nothing can come near you and the glory within you, dwelling within you. There is nothing that the enemy can do to you when God is protecting you. That's why he says, I've given you authority to trample on the enemy and over all of his power. He's got nothing on you, but don't make room for him. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's your offense. You need to keep that readily available. You need to keep that in the pocket. I need to be constantly speaking the word of God, knowing the word of God, thinking about the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Means the baptism of the Holy Spirit, use that. God has clothed you with power. Your prayer language is powerful. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So we have a few things that we wanna do tonight. Um, One, It's important that we understand that this is a journey that we're going to have to stay armed for. But God has protection for you. God has power for you. But maybe you came in here and you're like, that all sounds great, but I haven't put faith in Christ. Maybe you're watching online and you're like, that sounds great, but I haven't put faith in Christ, but I want to. I don't want to be overcome by the power of the enemy. I want to access the authority and the power that God has given to me. And I want to tell you that the invitation still stands. God has salvation for you. God has power available for you. God has righteousness available for you. God has an abundant life available for you where you don't have to live in dead places. Some of you came in here feeling bound to your sin, feeling like you'll never get away from it, feeling like you'll stay in this cycle of bondage. And I'm here to tell you that that thing cannot hold you. There is nothing that can overcome the power of Jesus Christ. You have authority through faith in Christ. And so if you're saying, I want to access that and I have not placed faith in Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me and understand that this prayer is the beginning of it, but it's a whole walk. You're deciding, I want to put faith in Christ. We have some people carrying a cross out here because this is where, this is where it comes to a head for us. 
We need to be aware of the cross of Christ and place our faith in what he did because it's his death on the cross that paid the price for our sins and gave us access. And then he raised from the dead to show us that he has power to raise us from the dead. And so man, first and foremost, if everybody will stand to your feet, If you're saying, I want to place faith in Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me and all the believers around the room, whether you're online, let's all pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins, for my mistakes, for my rebellion against God for every wrong thing I've done. I'm going to receive your forgiveness and I'm going to turn your direction and follow you for the rest of my life. I'm turning from my sins. I'm turning from my shame. I'm leaving it all behind and I'm going to follow you. And I receive the life you have for me. I make you the leader of my life. What you say goes, because I know that what you say brings me life. I receive that in Jesus' name. And so everybody who walked in today, you were given an envelope. And if you didn't get an envelope, my wife actually has some and can give you. But the reason that we gave you those things is because as we were talking about this message, there were things that came up in your mind and in your spirit and that you were convicted about. I know it. Things that you either need to walk away from or stay away from. Some of us are something came up in, my, in our mind that we're saying, I need to walk away from this thing. I need to walk away from this person. I need to walk away from this sin. I need to walk away from it and leave it behind. I need to leave it at the cross of Christ where it was paid for. And some of us, we need to stay away from it. Some of us have been struggling to stay away from what we walked away from. Some of us, we, we experience victory, but then we're coming across it again and it's tempting and we're tempted to go up to that body. We're tempted to, to, to pursue that honey. And God is reminding us, man, that we can stay away from it. And so we actually want to take a moment. The worship team is up here. We're going to sing this song. And I want you to write. I want you to take a moment to pray and to write on the cards you've been given what you are staying away from or walking away from. And we're gonna take a moment to worship, to pray, have a moment with God. This is your moment. I told you, man, this is not something that I plan to be talking about forever. There's gonna be victory in this place. And so take this seriously. If you're at home, write on a piece of paper. So as the worship team is singing, Again, let this wash over you and I'll come up and I'll show us what to do with what we're walking away from. Father, I pray for all of us in this time, Lord, that are struggling, Lord. We're wrestling 
Father, I just pray that you would open our eyes, Lord, that you would open our hearts, Lord, that we receive what you're wanting to do, that we'll surrender to you, God, that we'll lay it all down for you, God, that we will know that you have power in our lives, Lord. You have power to save us. You have power to rescue us, Lord, that you have life available for us, Lord, that you didn't call us to stay in dead places. You didn't call us to walk in dead places, but you've called us to walk in life. So Father, have your way in our lives for every person listening online and every person in this building, Lord. Help us to lay it all down for you. Have your way in this place. Let this be a moment, Lord, where we are marking a moment in our path where we are walking fully with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.